CBT, or Cognitive Behaviour Therapy, aims to change the way you think about issues that cause you concerns or problems. Primarily, it utilises the way that you feel, think and behave to make changes in your life. It's derived from two branches of therapy, cognitive therapy and behavioural therapy. Cognitive therapy is essentially looking at your thinking patterns, whether they be self-destructive, feelings and behaviours or other things that cause you to feel a way that just works against you. Or sometimes they use behavioural therapies. Sometimes we have behaviours that work against us and sometimes we just don't actually have the tools and techniques in order to have the correct behaviours. In other words, you can learn brand new behaviours that will be replacing old unhelpful ones or will actually fill that void that you have that will make you more resourceful at any situation you need. Because it enjoys the most research, it has become the most popular form of psychology used with psychologists today. And the reason why it's so valuable seeing a psychologist if you're going to use CBT is that we're our own echo chambers. We can analyze our thoughts, but we bring our own biases, prejudices, and it's really hard to come from that very clear state. And if we come from a really clear state, are we then neglecting our primary values? That's why it's so important that many people do this with a practitioner. However, there are amazing benefits that you can realize just by reflecting on some of the principles that CBT teaches. And so the very first step, I would say, is similar to what we've talked about in the past, and that is that you have to take absolute responsibility for what happens to you in your life. Or a better way to put it would be that you have to take complete responsibility with what you do when something happens to you. Now, ideally, you arrange your life so that less negative things happen or that you're challenged on your terms. However, when something happens, that's beyond your control. So case in point, you know the area of the city that is really dangerous at nighttime. So you're mindful of this and you avoid the dangerous areas like this. You make sure that you're with a group of friends. Maybe you have some martial arts training so you can handle yourself. You've got all your eggs lined up and generally you probably will never have a problem. But then comes one in a million chance that somebody comes, blindsides you, and bang, you end up on the pavement and your friends just aren't there at that point in time. Now clearly, it's not your fault. You've taken every single precaution in order for this not to happen. However, what you do next is your fault. Or better put, it is your responsibility. And this is really hard to swallow because say this happens and somebody gets a degree of, say, post-traumatic stress. Maybe they get very wary of the race of the person who assaulted them. Maybe they get really scared to go out and become socially isolated. How did you actually arrive at that place? And if it's your responsibility and if it's your fault, then why would you be doing this when it's clearly something you don't want? That's where we introduce the concept of the conscious and unconscious mind. Now, just a little disclaimer. We're talking about some heavy things. This is just an analogy, and if you need serious help, you know what to do. But back to the story. If you are going through a stressful situation, 
based on something that's happened in the past, then again, it's because of what your response is to what has happened. And it could be consciously and you've said, I'm not going to do this ever again, and that's just compounded. Or subconsciously, it's looking for a way to protect yourself. The unconscious mind thinks, how can I avoid this situation in the future? So it sets about creating these programs and algorithms which tells us don't get in that situation ever again. And often these solutions are maladaptive but well-intentioned. So that brings us to our very first principle of understanding that not every thought you have is real or valid. Not every thought you have deserves respect, attention, or for you to follow anything based on what it tells you. Because we all have thoughts that are irrational. And only by examining ourselves, examining our attitudes, our behaviors, we can step back and see that certain thoughts have led us to bad places in the past. Now, somebody who's really egotistical just doesn't have that filter. They can't see that there is a spot in their life that is limiting them. Same with the narcissist. They just don't have that filter. They think that everything that they think and feel is totally valid. And if they don't get what they want, they are absolutely wrong and violated. And you can extrapolate that for the extreme narcissist to the total egocentric person to someone like yourself who is likely going through situations but is not at that end of the spectrum where you can self-reflect, where you can use your filters, where you can look and observe and see what's happening. The sooner that you really understand that not every thought that you have, not every feeling that you have is valid, the sooner you'll find your way to get out of that problem. Now, when I say not every feeling is valid, feelings are interesting because I look at them kind of like being an alarm bell. So if something is not going well in your life, then you might feel a little bit down sometimes. And it's not until you actually pay attention to what's been on your mind that you can actually move past it. Simply ignoring it, trying to drown it out with whatever technique you use, be it alcohol, just going to the gym, ignoring it, it's probably going to come back and bite you at the wrong time. So giving it the right time is going to be really essential. So that's for feelings. But for thoughts, thoughts can be totally aberrant. And a good example of this is when you hear your mind say, why does this always happen to me? Now this sounds innocent enough, but unpack it for a second. Your unconscious mind is asking you a question. Why is this always happening to me? And unconsciously, you can bet that there's millions of solutions that are bouncing off your brain. And before you know it, you've just got this avalanche that's overriding and giving you all these answers. Why is it always happening to me? Well, this is why. And that downloads all of this negativity onto you. You'll get that feeling come up, tell you that something's not quite right. And then if you don't address it, you can see where it goes. So simply by understanding at that root level that thoughts, they're not always valid. Often they're well-intentioned, but it takes a good deal of reflection to really see this. So step one, just understand that not every thought you have is valid. Step two is based on the entire principle of what I discussed so far, and that is taking responsibility. And this principle 
of taking responsibility speaks to step two, which is that nobody, nobody in the world can make you feel or do something. This comes back to taking responsibility for what you do with what happens to you. So if somebody has been incredibly mean to you, it doesn't mean that you have to act defensively. You have to act aggressively. You could do anything you want. You could ignore him. You could laugh at him. You could answer your phone while they're talking. You have unlimited options for how you react in the moment. Now, obviously, there's lots of considerations. So if it's a boss and he's angry at you and you start texting while he's talking, probably not the right outcome. But just understand you have the flexibility so that you are the only one who can control how you feel. Other people can't do it. And here's why. If you've ever Googled up some self-help tip or talked to someone and they said, oh, look, you've got to be confident, but look at the bright side, be happy, all the generic stuff. Look, if that really worked, then we wouldn't be investigating fields like psychology. The fact is that nobody can just say something and everything's all better. It has to come from within, just like the movie Inception. It has to come from within. Otherwise, the change isn't going to take place. So you might be listening and you might be thinking, great. So now I have to take total responsibility for everything that happens. I can't blame anyone for anything. And that's entirely correct. Once you take that ultimate responsibility, then just all the freedom, all the personal autonomy, all the potential that you have just becomes unleashed because it's often just locked away behind excuses, behind stories, behind other people. And when you take responsibility, it is scary. Suddenly it's your fault for a lot of things that happen. But that opens up things sometimes for the first time for people. Once they truly realize that anything that they do, it's all up to them. It's incredibly empowering. And finally, being flexible or being able to change is the hallmark of a strong degree of personal control. It is imperative for those who want to have strong psychological states because change will happen. Things that are beyond your control will change. And when they do change, you have to take responsibility for what happens. Now, if you're not flexible, if you're not able to roll with the punches, then change comes, you've got your plan perfectly lined up, and then your expectations will not be met because suddenly everything's taken a changing course. And usually when this happens, you can see anger coming out. And anger is simply when you have plans, expectations, anything like that, and it's not being met. Suddenly frustration comes out and self-righteous indignation. And from this place, things just don't work out well because it's never productive from this state. Now, that being said, obviously, you have your goals, you have your identity, and you have your values. So never compromise on your identity. Never compromise on your true, deepest values. But things like goals, they can change over time, and they should change. Someone who is 10 years old should not have the same goals when they're 90. It's obvious that things change over time, and being flexible is something that is imperative. And speaking of the aging process, this is something that will help with CBT in order to be flexible. 
Most people think, I can't change, I can't change, I've been like this forever. But the fact is that you can change because you have changed. If you have arrived to the state where you're older than a teenager, you've gone through so many changes and transitions that making the next step is nothing. You can do this. You've got this. Now I'm going to leave you with that. There's so much more that we can talk about CBT and we will in future episodes. In the meantime, I'll see you on the next one. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If so, rate it from the place you downloaded it. For any questions, send an email to michaelpulser at gmail.com.